Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Employment Law Podcast hosted by EI Legal. My name is Ahana. I'm a lawyer at EI Legal, and I'm joined here today by Simon Obi, our principal lawyer. Our podcast is aimed at um, HR professionals, in-house counsel, and anyone with an interest in employment law. And it's a weekly podcast where we talk about um, different areas um, in employment law or um, recent cases. This week, we're going to talk about um, the recent changes to JobKeeper. And Simon's a bit of an expert in this area because he's hosted two webinars in two days about the changes. So um, we thought it would be a good um, topic to discuss in our podcast as well. Um, Simon, do you want to start off by telling us what the changes are? Yeah, thanks, Ahana. Um, so yeah, just as a kind of brief recap of, of the JobKeeper scheme, it was um, initially um, brought in from the 30th of March 2020 for a period of six months. So it was due to end at the end of September. And as I'm sure people know, it's a, it's a subsidy that, that is paid to employers to help them um, meet the, the wages of their employees with, with the idea of preserving employment for as many people as, as possible um, through the um, negative effects of, of COVID on the economy. So it was due to end um, at the end of September. We've had an, an announcement um, uh, over the, the last few days about the JobKeeper um, subsidy being extended for a further six months. And um, although a lot um, will remain the same with JobKeeper. There are going to be a few uh, key changes. So I'll just kind of run through um, run through those briefly. So um, as you might, may recall, for to be eligible for the current um, JobKeeper subsidy, there was a point in time test um, where um, businesses had to show that they had um, had a decline in turnover of, of at least 30%. So um, it, was, it was looked at um, um, compared to the previous year. Um, and yeah, it, the 30% the figure was for most businesses. I think it's 15% for charities and slightly different for very big businesses. Um, and once you'd satisfied that um, turnover test, you were in the JobKeeper scheme, you were eligible for JobKeeper scheme for the whole six month period from, um, from, from the end of March to um, the end of September. With the new JobKeeper scheme, so JobKeeper 2.0 as it's being called, um, businesses will have to um, meet that turnover um, test again. So they will need to demonstrate that they had um, the the requisite um, turnover in uh, declining turnover for um, the quarters April to June 2020 and July to September 2020. So for both those quarters, they need to to show that there was a decline in in 30% for 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 most businesses, um, and 
that will, um, if they meet that test, that will give them uh, eligibility for the first half of the new JobKeeper period. So it's being divided into two periods, October to December and then January to March. So businesses will have to meet a turnover test um, first off to, to um, qualify for the October to December period. And then they'll have to um, do another um, decline in turnover test um, in uh, January to qualify for the January to March um, 2021 period. And importantly, to, to qualify for that second, um, the second tranche of, of JobKeeper 2.0, so the last, the last three months, they'll need to um, satisfy the decline in turnover test for three quarters, so April to June 2020, July to September 2020 and October to December 2020. So um, you can, um, if you haven't um, met the, the test for the first um, three months of a new scheme, uh, you can't get into it at the end. You'll, you'll need to satisfy the, the turnover test all the way um, through. That's that's quite an interesting um, point, Simon, because it, it, I guess it will affect quite a lot of businesses because I mean, what we've seen is, you know, there was an initial lockdown period and a lot of businesses were affected and they had a decline in at least 30%. But we've now seen um, businesses open up again and probably, you know, some are probably trading as normal. Um, and then again, if they shut down again, for example, in Victoria, they may not be able to sort of meet that test across all quarters. Is that right? Yeah, so, so you're right. I mean, the, 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 the ATO or the Treasury... Um, uh, is is predicting that I think about uh, fifty to sixty percent of, of businesses won't won't be able to meet the um, eligibility test anymore because of the um, the um, increase in in turnover. So there will be lots of businesses who fall out of the scheme at the end of September. There is bound to be um, others that will fall out of the scheme at at the end of December. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to talk about what that means in, in practical terms. What, what are the, the um, practical effects of, of coming out of a JobKeeper scheme? Obviously, you, you, you no longer get the JobKeeper subsidy, but, but what are the other um, kind of legal um, ramifications? Um, and I'm sure we'll come to that, but just, just to... Um, um, finish off on, on what's different about JobKeeper 2.0. The other big change is, um, as people will be probably aware, in the current JobKeeper scheme, the subsidy is um, $1,500 um, per fortnight for eligible employees. The government is, is, is reducing that down, so sort of tapering, tapering it down. So for the for the first half of JobKeeper 2.0, from October to December, um, there's one rate of pay, and then there's a it drops down um, to a lower rate of pay for the um, uh, January to March period. And also within those um, periods, there there is a high rate of pay and a lower rate of pay depending on the number of hours the employee was working in. February 2020. So that's that's. I'll unpack that a little bit because it's it's kind of a bit difficult to get your head around. But 
Um, the JobKeeper scheme will remain um, uh, only applicable to employees that were um, employed on the 1st of um, March um, 2020. So it's, it's still for the same group of employees that, that, that were eligible for the JobKeeper, the current JobKeeper payment. Um, you, you can't bring sort of new um, employees in in, the, in that sense. And going forward in JobKeeper 2.0, businesses will need to look back to February 2020 and look at the hours the employees were working. If employees were doing an average of 20 hours or more um, per week in February 2020, then they will be entitled to a higher rate of pay, um, a higher rate of JobKeeper subsidy. And if they are working less than 20 hours on average per week in February, 2020, they will get um, a lower rate. So rate of pay for the October to December um, tranche of JobKeeper 2.0 is $1,200 um, per fortnight for the um, employees who were working over 20 hours and $750 per fortnight um, for employees working less than 20 hours per week in February. And then in the second period of JobKeeper 2.0, so the January to March um, period, that those rates drop down to $1,000 per fortnight for um, uh, employees who were working 20 hours or more in um, per week in Feb, and down to $650 per fortnight for employees who were working um, less than 20 hours per week in February. So it, it, it's, it's a big change, particularly for employees who were doing infrequent hours. As, as we know, one of the criticisms of, of the current JobKeeper scheme is um, a lot of employees um, are, are better off under the scheme. Those who, who were just doing like a, a shift or two a week may have been earning, you know, um, not, not very much at all. And but it, even if they earned less than the 1,500 dollar subsidy per fortnight that has to be passed on in, in full so so this 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 new changes is to meet um some of those um some of those um criticisms i guess um yeah well thanks for that summary simon it's um very useful i think it can be a bit complicated when you read all the stuff that's out there so yeah a lot of numbers involved but um hard to get your head around but you seem to have um, got your head around it. So thank you so much for outlining that. I guess in terms of the other changes, do you know the amendments to the Fair Work Act that were made um, a couple of months ago? How has that affected moving forward in JobKeeper 2.0? Yeah, so, so that's a really good question because um, as you say, there, there were lots of amendments made to the Fair Work Act, which gave employers really a sort of unprecedented um, ability to make changes to um, the way that the workforce is, is organised um, in terms of um, reducing hours, standing down employees, compelling employees to take annual leave, all of those sorts of things. And we'll probably go through that in a bit more detail in, in a second. But, but those changes were introduced um, and, and, and are stated to end 
on the 28th of, of September. That's what it says in the Fair Work Act at the moment. With this extension to JobKeeper, I think it's, 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 it's pretty certain that there's cross-party um, support for those um, JobKeeper amendments um, to the Fair Work Act to extend um, for as long as the JobKeeper subsidy continues. So although that hasn't been made law yet, we're, we're pretty sure that those abilities to, to stand down employees, etc., will remain while the JobKeeper subsidy remains uh, in place. What's, what's more of a controversial question is those businesses who currently have stood down employees under the JobKeeper provisions, but fall out of eligibility for the JobKeeper at the end of September or at the end of December, will they still be able to, to use the, um, the JobKeeper amendments to the Fair Work Act? And that is more controversial and we don't know what the answer to that is. But, but in any event, for, 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 for every, every business, um, it, it is pretty clear that those amendments to the Fair Work Act um, are going to stop at, at, at some point, uh, you know, and it could be as, as early as um, the end of September for, for some businesses who are falling out of JobKeeper then. So um, uh, that, that will have, um, you know, a, a, a really significant um, impact on, on businesses and, and maybe that's that's a good thing for us to discuss now, what, what those changes were for the Fair, Fair Work Act and how, how they're going to differ from um, employers' abilities to, to um, manage their workforce once JobKeeper's no longer around. Well, yeah, so I guess the changes were introduced to um, provide more flexibility to employers who were affected as a result of COVID because under the Fair Work Act, um, there is obviously a provision, it's under section 524 of the Fair Work Act, which um, regarding standing down employees where um, there is a complete stoppage of work, which is outside of the employer's control, or there's a breakdown in machinery, um, and therefore the employee can no longer be usefully employed. And these requirements under the Act, they're quite restrictive because it's difficult for employers to rely on these provisions, even when there's a downturn in work, such as what we've seen with COVID. There hasn't been a complete stoppage, um, but there's been a downturn. So the changes to the Fair Work Act that were introduced were to sort of assist employers and provide them with a bit more flexibility um, in relation to standing down employees. So do you want to, Simon, perhaps considering you're so across JobKeeper, um, just summarise what that is, JobKeeper yes. enabling direction. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, you, you, you summarised it um, well just then, but just to dig into a, a, a bit more of the de detail, I guess, the, the new flexibility um, arrangements that were introduced for JobKeeper eligible employers in respect of their JobKeeper employees were really... Um, uh, there, there was a, a few things which were introduced. So the first was this ability um, uh, to stand down employees, what was called a, a job keeper enabling stand down direction. I think I've got that right. Um, uh, and, and that allows an employer to reduce an employee's hours 
down to zero, but not, not necessarily to zero. If they were doing 38 hours, you might be able to reduce their hours to 20, or, but in some cases, you know, all the way down to zero. And the criteria which the employer had to um, satisfy to, to do that was, was firstly that the employee um, uh, couldn't be usefully employed at their normal hours. So, you know, because there was a downturn in work and, and secondly, because, and that could be attributable to COVID. So it, it gave it employers a, a, a really important ability where there was a downturn in, in their business or, or some change due to COVID where they didn't need to employ as many people for as many hours to, to reduce the employees hours as as they saw fit there were of course you know some hoops to jump through there's a there's an obligation to consult and an obligation to give um, employees a a, um, uh, a period of notice before those directions came into effect but that's a, a very big difference from the provisions in in that existed in the fair work act as you mentioned in 524, which, which require a stoppage of work. It requires, at least as, as we understand it, for there to be um, no um, work at, at all to be um, performed. So while there were lots of businesses in, in, say, the retail sector where they were getting very, very quiet, there was still work to do, um, albeit, you know, a much, much produced, um, rate and and it was really unclear whether um section 524 would would allow an employer to stand down an employee without pay in those circumstances and you'd, you'd have to say that um you know the traditional understanding of, of that section is, is that wouldn't be allowed but the, the job keepers enabling stand down direction kind of got got around that and made it clear that you know you can you can reduce employees hours as you as you see fit, if there is a downturn in work, there doesn't need to be a complete stoppage um, of work um, at all. Um, so that that was probably the key, um, the key um, job keeper enabling direction, which was which was um, made available. There were others. You similarly, employers could direct employees employees to um, perform their duties elsewhere. So, you know, um, change locations of, of work, it compel people to work from home, et cetera, and also alter the, the duties that the employees performed. And we saw that a lot in sort of restaurants, you know, people who used to be employed um, in the restaurant were then, you know, moved to takeaway um, duties, that, that kind of stuff. Um, the other sort of thing that, that came in with the JobKeeper um, amendments to the Fair Work Act were abilities for employers to request that employees changed their um, days or times of work. So, um, you know, they used to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now they need to work um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for example. Uh, uh, and that request um, couldn't be unreasonably refused by the employee. Similarly, there's a, a, a much greater ability for an employer to um, a require or request employees to take annual leave. Um, and again, if that request is made, the employee can only refuse that on reasonable grounds. 
an employer can can make that request to for an employee to you know reduce their annual leave balance as long as they have two weeks left um, and that's that's a big change under the the, the um uh the job keeper amendments to the fair work act because most modern awards um prior to that had some really restrictive um provisions about um requiring employees to take annual leave generally you could only do it where there was an, an excessive leave balance of over eight weeks and even then you could only reduce um, the, the the total balance to six weeks. So um, there's some real um, real sort of uh, key changes that have been brought in under the JobKeeper provisions, which which although we're not sure exactly when they're going to end it, it seems you know likely that they could um, they could come to the end for some businesses at at the same time when they fall out of the JobKeeper scheme, which means or which appears likely to mean that they'll um, they'll have to snap back to to the old um, Fair Work Act provisions, which are a lot more restrictive, um, particularly in 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 um, uh, when requiring an employee to be stood down. Yeah, thanks for that, Simon. Yeah, I think it will certainly be interesting for businesses who um, are no longer eligible for JobKeeper and who've sort of previously utilised the JobKeeper enabling directions and they've got employees who are stood down and how they'll handle the transition. But um, like I mentioned before, and we've sort of said it a few times, the section under the Fair Work Act about stand out, it is quite sort of restrictive because you can only stand down an employee as a complete stoppage of work. So in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, it can be, for example, where there's enforceable government direction, which is requiring um, the business to close. But if there's just a downturn, um, it's going to be a bit, little bit difficult to rely on those provisions. And there was um, actually a recent decision in the Fair Work Commission where an employee, they lodged a dispute. Um, so employees can, um, they have the ability of lodging a dispute um, with the Fair Work Commission if they don't sort of necessarily agree with, this, um, with the decision to stand them down under the Fair Work Act. And in that decision, um, the employer, uh, the decision's called Mr. Ryan LaPlume and Thomas Foods International Propriety Limited. The employee in that um, was engaged as like a documentation clerk. So basically in an administrative role. Um, and the entity was like a multi-billion dollar company. And while there was... I guess, a bit of an effect um, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, they didn't, they weren't eligible for the JobKeeper because there wasn't a 30% reduction um, in their profits. So they weren't necessary, that they couldn't rely on the JobKeeper enabling directions and the amendments to the Fair Work Act in that regard. So what they did in that instance is they had approximately sort of, they had quite a lot of employees, but they didn't stand everyone down what they did is they stood certain employees down and in relation to this employee in particular because he was working in sort of the head office in an administrative capacity there wasn't a lot of reduction in hours um, sorry there wasn't a lot of sort of um, effect on the business due to the pandemic um, there was you know a little bit of I guess um, they couldn't you know utilize everyone so what they did was they stood down only this one employee out of the entire team um, and the others kept working whereas he in particular was singled out and stood down under the provisions of the Fair Work Act um, which 
state that an employee can only be stood down where there's a complete stoppage of work, which is outside of the employee's control. So the employee actually lodged a dispute and the Fair Work Commission found that um, it wasn't um, a stand, they could, the employer couldn't actually rely on the provisions under Section 524 of the Act because there was not a complete stoppage of work. And something that was quite interesting, um, which Simon and I were talking about this before, but we didn't necessarily realise this, is that when sort of um, determining the dispute, the Commission actually took into account the principles of fairness. Um, and they found that it was not fair for the employer to stand down just one employee um, because that employee was singled out. What they should have done is perhaps reduce the hours of everyone in the team um, and not just sort of singled out one employee. And they should have taken quite a lot of things into consideration. For example, he had a low annual leave balance, so he couldn't necessarily utilise that. Um, so I think the fairness aspect was a key sort of consideration in that dispute. And what it shows us is that it's quite hard once again to rely on the standout provisions under the Fair Work Act. So um, where employers can, if they're eligible, they should sort of engage with the provisions under the JobKeeper amendments as opposed to Section 524. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really interesting decision. And, and that, Although Section 524 doesn't mention um, this um, uh, fairness criteria, it, it, it's, it's kind of hidden away in, in the section of the Fair Work Act which says that um, an employee can bring a dispute if they've been stood down and they don't agree with it. And when they bring that dispute, um, the, the Fair Work Act says fairness has to be considered so you know because of that it's advisable for employers whenever they're standing down an employee to um to to consider fairness so it's interesting because i suppose reading between the lines even if um there had been a complete stoppage of work um query whether um they would have said the stand down was um lawful um, anyway, because they'd only applied it to one employee, so it's it it does you know does illustrate how how difficult it is to stand down an employee without pay outside of the the JobKeeper um, provisions. The other thing I found interesting about the decision was how they talked about you know alternatives would be to reduce people's hours, which is you know again um, a kind of really a legal minefield you know unless unless you have an employee's consent or at least you know a, a full-time or a part-time employee's consent absent you know some weird award provision which provides for reduction in hours which are you know a few and far between you, you really couldn't do that without without the employee's agreement I would have thought. Yeah, and that's right. I think what well, we've been advising clients where they're not eligible for JobKeeper and when they can't necessarily stand down employees under Section 524 is the options are you need to sort of consult with the employee and reach some sort of a mutual agreement where they agree in a reduction in hours. Um, and that should be, I guess, fairly applied um, company-wide, which is a lot what a lot of companies have done during this pandemic, uh, because you can't just make a unilateral change to someone's hours. 
or the other other option is i guess the employer has to consider redundancies which is something that you know they really want to avoid and that's something that they should raise with employees um, to try and obtain their mutual consent that in order to avoid restructures and redundancies um, they really like to get everyone's consent to reduce their hours um, so yeah I, I mean it's not the case that there's no options at all but it, it, it is quite difficult for employers in those circumstances so if you are eligible for JobKeeper um, you can, you know, it, it is quite beneficial to take advantage of those um, JobKeeper enabling directions in respect to, of course, eligible employees, not not all employees. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the other thing that um, I, I've been kind of thinking about and talking to clients about um, on, on a similar note is if you are in a situation where you've got um, employees on job keeper um, and you're passing on the the subsidy to them as 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 you must um, i think it is worth thinking about um, what other steps you can be taking as an employer to um, you know make make the business more sort of financially viable particularly if you think that down the road there are kind of going to be redundancies or restructures to to make so while you're in the JobKeeper um, scheme, you have this ability. Um, it's a lot easier to to um, require employees to take periods of, of leave. As I said earlier, you can request employees to take annual leave, and they can't refuse that request unless the request was unreasonable. And you you, you only have to um, make sure that they have two weeks annual leave left in the bank, as it were. If you've got employees who are stood down and are doing no work or are working reduced hours, it, it might well be a good idea for those employees with, with kind of really big leave and leave balances to get them to reduce their, their leave balance. So to, to rather than just be stood down and getting paid the JobKeeper, subsidy get them to take annual leave and and use the JobKeeper subsidy to um to um you know make, meet those leave payments that that will um mean that when you come out of of, of JobKeeper um their leave balances will will be less and there have been a number of cases in the fair work commission where employees have, have objected to those um requests and and the fair work commission said that's not a reasonable um, uh, reason for an employee to refuse to take annual leave. So, I, I would I would encourage businesses to you know to at least sort of think about those things if they are in difficult financial situations. The other thing to remember, of course, is throughout the JobKeeper period, even if you have employees who are stood down and doing no work or, or doing reduced hours, they are continuing to accrue leave at their usual rate. They are continuing to um, accrue service and you know the longer they're employed the the greater their entitlements are to things like notice periods and redundancy pay all those things are calculated on length of service so your 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 liabilities to the employees are 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 going up and up and if you are if you know that you are going to be albeit as a last resort faced with a situation where you are going to need to make redundancies and let and people go. There are some advantages of of doing that um, 
you know, sooner ra rather than later for those reasons. The other thing um, to think about is notice periods. If, if an employee is given notice and, and, and um, required to work out their notice period, or, or if they're stood down and, and when you give them notice, you're saying, you, you know, your, your employment will end in a month. While they're in the JobKeeper scheme, you can use the JobKeeper payment to, to um, subsidise those, those payments. If, if an employee is, is stood down on, on no hours and you, you give them four weeks notice, your employment's going to end in four weeks from today. Your obligation is only to pay the JobKeeper payment during that, that period. Once we get out of JobKeeper, if, if you're giving someone a four week notice period, it's very likely you're gonna to have to pay them their full wages. The exception to that is if you pay out someone's notice period, you know, end employment immediately and pay out notice, it's, it's clear that um, uh, notice is paid out at the full, at the full rate, um, even in JobKeeper, but certainly if you're giving them a notice period, making them work it out, if that makes sense, you can use the JobKeeper subsidy to, to help meet that, that's not going to be the case once once JobKeeper ends. So, you know, I, I, I think these are difficult difficult questions, difficult decisions, and certainly there is much to say for, for using the JobKeeper payment to keep employees employed for as, as long as possible, and that's, you know, obviously a good thing to do as well. But um, I would encourage businesses not, not just to think, we're in JobKeeper, we can't make any decisions till the end of it, you know, think about what's 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 best for your business as a whole and for the people within that business as a whole. Thanks, Simon. Um, thanks again for um, summarising that. I think that's all we have time for today. And I, I should mention everything we've discussed today is general in nature. Um, it's not intended to be legal advice. But if you do need some legal advice, please feel free to reach out to us at info at eilegal.com.au. We would be delighted to hear from you. Um, we also have a knowledge base, a COVID-19 knowledge base on our sister company, Employment Innovations website. Um, so I'd encourage you to access the resources on there. They're um, very useful and informative. Um, and thank you everyone for tuning in and um, we'll hear from you next week. Thanks everyone. See you next week.